I'm Nidhi Tiwari. And I'm Billy Samoa. And this is Relearned. Whether you're a leader at work, in a relationship with somebody, or are just looking to better yourself, feedback can be a critical component of being able to become your best version of yourself. It helps you to self-actualize to another level. And feedback has so many different components that I'm really excited to be diving into today. Particularly, we're going to be covering how feedback can impact you emotionally, how it affects your brain, as well as some specific tactics that you can utilize to ensure that the feedback that you're giving is well-received by the person on the receiving end. So in my experience as a leader, feedback has been an important and integral element of helping people to understand what they're doing well and also understanding what those growth edges might be. And Harvard Business Review is talking about how 72% of employees rated managers who provide critical feedback as really important in their career development. However, the reality is only 5% of those same employees believe that managers provide that type of feedback. So we can see a significant gap here between the percentage of people who see that feedback is important, particularly critical feedback, and the number of managers that are actually following through and giving that feedback. In addition, when team members don't think that their boss is giving them honest feedback, their engagement scores tank. Leaders who rank in the top 10% of giving honest feedback create teams that rank in the top 23% of engagement. So you can see it's really clear when you're not getting the honest feedback, your engagement in what you're doing, your engagement in your own growth and development at work completely shifts. And so I think it's important that we really look at how can we get better at this? How can we get better at being honest with people, helping them to learn more about themselves while doing it in a way that it can be well received? I have the answer. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I mean, There is no perfect cookie cutter way to give or to receive feedback, but there are some very, very fascinating studies that help to guide our path to give feedback in the right way, but also to receive it in the right way. And I think back, there's an experience that I had at Tesla that I will not forget. And it was with this guy who came to speak named David Rock. And David Rock is a researcher and he studies the brain and He wrote a book called Your Brain at Work, and he really, really opened my eyes to an insight that I cannot forget. And the insight is this. We are afraid of people giving us feedback generally because it kind of puts us in a bit of a defense mode. And when people give us unsolicited feedback, we emotionally react in a negative way. Our heart rate goes up. There's lots of studies that demonstrate just how hard it can be to take unsolicited feedback or feedback that feels very abrupt or something that you didn't expect. And so his suggestion and the thing that he feels will help is to create a culture where people feel comfortable to ask for feedback. And so it's a small nuance, but it makes a huge difference. When we ask for feedback, we're more ready for it. We're more prepared. And in fact, he he wrote an article where He cited a study by Catherine Thorson. She's from NYU. And she ran this study where she tracked people's heart rate during mock negotiations. And so 
after each participant gave turns giving and receiving feedback, certain groups were instructed to ask for feedback and others gave it unprompted. And what they found out was that giving feedback was just as anxiety producing as receiving feedback. But when people received feedback that wasn't asked for, their heart rates went up and jumped around erratically. So much so that it it would look like when somebody's speaking in public. We all know our heart rate goes up when we're on stage. You can relate to that as a public speaker. So our brains suffer during times like this. And the stress, it really, it causes a decline in our ability to function. It makes us not perform at the level that we want to perform at. And so when we think about this small tweak, imagine how much different someone can feel when they get feedback when they're ready for it. And so how do you do this? You got to create a culture. You got to start small. You got to build into it. I can't forget that. And so now it's something that I integrate into my own business and where we're constantly, I'm asking for feedback and I'm really attempting to create a culture where people ask and are proactive asking for feedback. I'm so glad that you brought up the fact that so many people give unsolicited feedback because I think we've all been in that position before where somebody is just like, you talk to them about an issue that you're having. I'm feeling overwhelmed at work. And instead of listening, validating, and asking your permission to give you the feedback, all of a sudden they're like, well, have you tried organizing your time differently? Have you delegated XYZ to this person? Oh, what are you doing to take care of yourself outside of work? And you're like, wait a minute, this isn't what I was asking for. Like, I just needed somebody to validate me. And maybe down the line, I would be ready to hear some of these suggestions. But when you don't ask for it, when somebody is giving you that unsolicited advice and feedback, it creates like a defensiveness within the other person. Totally. Yeah. And they're just not able to receive it in the way that you would intend. And like you said, it ends up actually being detrimental to their learning process. I know I've experienced this personally so many different times, and it's one of my pet peeves. Whenever you're asking somebody, you're trying to help guide them in a way, you want to just, I, I will straight up ask my clients, is it okay if I share a thought with you right now? Or, you know, what are you looking for in this moment? Are you just wanting to vent about it? Or would you like me to provide you some feedback so that way we can kind of problem solve and work this through? That tactic has been super helpful for me in reducing the defensiveness and disarming the person that I'm in conversation with. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. And I think as long as we could be more aware and understand that just because somebody's mentioning something or maybe you have a position where you think you're supposed to give feedback, it doesn't mean that it's always going to be received in the way in which it's intended. So your intention might be one thing, how it's received is very, very different. And I think understanding that a lot of times people may not want the feedback that you're so willing to give. Uh, what's fascinating to me though, as we look at just the types of feedback, there's, you know, broadly, there's positive feedback and negative feedback. And yeah, positive feedback's great. We want to reinforce those positive behaviors, but there's studies that show that negative feedback can sometimes be more effective in improving performance. And so we need both the positive reinforcement and we need to have, we'll call it constructive feedback to help us get better. We can't ignore that there is immense value in that. Yeah. I mean, how are we going to be able to improve and grow as human beings if all we hear is confirmation of how wonderfully we're doing? Like, sure, that feels good for our egos, right? It feels like a bolster to our confidence, but <laughs> that's short-lived, right? When you're actually not performing to your fullest potential. And something that you mentioned too was that 
there's a lot of stress and anxiety that comes with giving the critical feedback. And I think it's important to look at that. How can we stay calm? How can we stay grounded when we are in the position of leadership and we're providing mentorship or guidance to somebody? Uh, There's a lot of anticipatory anxiety that often comes with providing feedback to people. And I know for a lot of leaders, the thoughts that cross their mind are like, well, what if this person doesn't take it well, and now I have to deal with that emotional fallout? Or what if they view me as being too critical, and so it breaches the trust between us? But let me tell you something. If you are only giving the good to somebody, their trust in you is already diminishing because nobody's perfect. Nobody has it 100% together. And they know that there are areas for growth and that you may actually be unintentionally holding them back as a result of your reticence. So one of the biggest things that you can do is to calm yourself, calm that anxiety, to be able to navigate the uncertainty that comes with the worst case scenario, the best case scenario, and looking at what's the most likely scenario that is going to prevail. And if you can consider what the worst is that can happen, I know that sounds counterintuitive. It's like, well, why would you want to go there? Well, you're already going there right? When you're having anticipatory anxiety, your brain is automatically imagining that that moment that the, the person you're giving feedback storms out of the room and gets upset with you. So you might as well think through, okay, it's unlikely, but if for some reason that happens, how can I keep myself level? How can I respond in an empathic and a compassionate manner? And how can I keep myself cool, calm, collected so that I'm not phased by other people's reactions in that moment? Wow. Thank you. That was so on point. And I wish everyone who ever gives feedback could hear what you just said, like on repeat, because it's so, so, so important. And you're right. I mean, we don't just want to be put in a position where we're given just glowing positive feedback, positive praise, because guess what? Like you're right. It erodes trust. And if you allow yourself to surround yourself with just people who are going to make you feel good with positive that maybe not even accurate feedback, you're missing huge opportunities of ways to improve yourself. One of the things that I've also noticed, and I noticed this as a leader, is you got to be careful giving too much feedback too quickly because it can be overwhelming. I know I was guilty of this. There's times where I would see somebody who I could see there's like 10 things they needed to improve, like easily 10, maybe more. You tell people 10 things, they improve none of them. So it is absolutely true that you can be overloaded and that too much feedback can be counterproductive. So yes, we want to have the constructive feedback, but we also don't want to do so much of it all at once. And, and you know, there's different schools of thought here, whether you do three items or two items or one item. And, and I'm not as rigid as that, As long as you're aware of the person and how they're going to accept it emotionally, right? Because it's not just about the specific feedback that you're giving about the specific task. It's also, how is that person taking it? Are they a very sensitive person? Are they not a very sensitive person? Are they somebody that you can't read, therefore you don't know? There's so many layers to it, but I think having the EQ and the understanding of who you're talking to and being able to read how they're embracing it will help to dictate how deep you go, how much you give, because giving too much might have the exact opposite effect that you would want. Yeah, totally. And I think that there's actually like a ratio for this, right? So 
if you think about for each piece of criticism that you give, you need to give at least five pieces of positive feedback to help to mitigate and help to be able to absorb that critical feedback. To your point, if you just give 10 pieces of critical feedback, who knows how tuned in that person is to what you're truly saying and how much they're really absorbing of the feedback that you're giving. You know, I also think that it's it's really important to be specific. This is like where a lot of people struggle because they're like, oh, you know, you need to be more communicative. What does that mean? Right? Like be more communicative can mean be more responsive to emails. It could mean that you ask for help when you need help, right? It could be that when you are wanting to collaborate with somebody, that you're reaching out for those opportunities. I mean, there's so many different ways that that could be interpreted. So you want to make sure that when you're giving feedback that, like you said, it's going to be limited to maybe a couple of pieces and you're giving them very specific feedback that they can take, internalize, and then apply in their day-to-day lives, right? So an example in my own personal life is I work with a speaker coach, right? And she's wonderful. Like she coaches TED speakers. She's just an incredible human being. And she gives me very specific feedback. She'll say things like, well, contractions here are, they just make it too colloquial. So you want to take that out. Or, hmm, you know, I noticed that you sped up at this moment in your speech. Why don't we pause? Why don't we take a moment to let that simmer? that gives me something to work with. If she just came to me and was like, eh, your pacing could be better. What does that mean to me? That doesn't tell me anything particularly that I could work and implement in in the next iteration of that particular talk. And then the other piece to consider too is not only being specific, not only limiting the amount, but also looking at the timing. Like, are you giving the feedback immediately after something has occurred? Or are you waiting two, three, four, four days, a week, couple of weeks afterwards to follow up with somebody. Because what we found is that when you give feedback immediately after an event occurs, you're also able to absorb that much more readily. And you're able to implement it quickly into the next iteration, the next time that you're doing that exact same task. So you want to reinforce the skills. Things that are going well can be reinforced by that immediate feedback. And those growth edges can also be looked at in a particular manner if you just time it in a close proximity to the actual event itself. I think your point on the ratio is such a sound one because we need to have some way to make sure that the person that we're speaking to isn't feeling attacked. And what can happen if you're just constantly just berating them with negative critical feedback, they put up their defense mechanism and their wall goes up so high that they're not going to really embrace what's being said. The one caveat though is it's got to be genuine. It can't be a total phony positive praise type of thing because they're going to realize that you're giving them something just so that you give them something negative. The other thing that I'm not a huge fan is like the sandwiching where you do a positive, the negative, then positive. It's played out. Like we know what's happening here. So get a feel for what's going to be the right approach for the situation you're in, knowing that other human being, and also knowing your backstory with that person. Like, what, how long have you known them? How long have they known you? How blunt can you be? But also, what's going to be their reaction? And so if you can understand the nuance of the other person, but then also pepper in some positive with the negative and the critical, but not so much in a, a formulaic way as much as a, a more organic, natural, and genuine way. The other, the other thing to consider is 
setting. Where are you doing this? To your point, it's great to give feedback right away, but it's also something that if you're in a group environment, you don't want somebody to feel like they're publicly being humiliated because that doesn't feel good. That That's going to make for a, a situation where there's social comparison. That's going to make for a situation where they're going to start to compare themselves to other people. They're going to start to think, well, why is this being said in this situation in front of my peers? I feel belittled and I feel like the people around me now think less of me. And so that's not an optimal place to do it. So we always say, you know, praise in public, give feedback in private, right? And so when possible, obviously there's going to be exceptions to every rule, but when possible, give the person who you're giving the gift to, which we treat feedback as a gift. That's literally what we tell every client that that we work with at my company is that it's a gift. So anytime you're giving anyone a gift, whether it be an employee, an employer to an employee or any situation where you're giving that gift, do it in a way where A, they don't feel threatened and do it in a place where they're going to embrace it the most. I'm so glad that you brought up the sandwich technique. I freaking hate the sandwich technique. Like it's, I just feel like it primes people to expect negative, something negative to come down the pike when they receive the positive. And they did some studies on this where it w- that was the case, where people would start to be primed whenever they got a compliment that they were just waiting for the other shoe to drop because so many times their leadership had sandwiched in that critical feedback. We want positive feedback to be standalone. We don't want that to be coupled with something that's negative, Right. Like, I like how you said to pepper it in there as opposed to making it formulaic. I completely agree with you that ultimately we want to take away the audience wherever possible. This not only goes for feedback, but this also goes for if somebody's escalated and, and emotionally activated. When you have an audience, it escalates things. It creates embarrassment, shame, all of these really deep, disturbing feelings that Sure, you could navigate if you are in a one-on-one setting, but when you have an audience to witness this moment live and in person and firsthand, it can really go left. So I couldn't agree with you more on all of those points there. I also think that ultimately, if we give too much positive feedback, like we've all heard about a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, too much positive feedback leads you to have a fixed mindset. Now, you're probably thinking like, well, why would that even be the case? Like, that doesn't make any sense. It makes complete sense because when you tell somebody over and over again, oh, you're perfect just the way you are. You're doing phenomenally. Things are great. They lose motivation to progress. They start to become complacent. They think that, oh, I've got it all under control. I don't need to push myself outside of my comfort zone. I don't need to try anything new. So part of it is being able to just ensure that we're creating that growth mindset, which sometimes means having a hard conversation with somebody. And like I cited in the research earlier, like that's actually a really critical component as I cited earlier, that's actually a really critical component in employee engagement, in people feeling invested in the work that they're doing. You're not invested when you can just kind of skate by and keep doing what you're doing without ever pushing yourself to achieve more. Culture is another piece to consider too, because I've grown up in a collectivist culture and uh, being an Indian American, like 
everybody's involved, right? Like you have an entire community that's involved and tasked with raising you. And so what we find is that in collectivist cultures, you want to provide indirect feedback. You don't necessarily want to be so blunt and directive and say something like, well, you need to do better with being able to reach out to a supervisor when you're struggling with something, or you need to be better at communicating with your partner when you're feeling upset. That may not be well received. It's instead being able to give it more indirectly. This is where good questions come into play. I'll ask questions to lead people to the conclusion that I know that they eventually need to get to. Huh, I'm curious to hear kind of your thought process about why you might have approached it in this manner. Or can you tell me more about the reaction that you're looking to get in this conversation, right? By getting their investment, by getting their input and drawing them along to the conclusion, it resonates so much more. And I find that that feedback sticks. Like that's the feedback that becomes the most impactful for people. Yes, I fully agree with that. And like at the end of the day, that's what we want. We want feedback that's going to stick, that's going to make an impact. Because otherwise, what's the point? You're just going to, frankly, you're going to put somebody in a worse situation if they're not in the state or the mode to embrace it, or if it's set in a way that's not going to desired outcome, which is for it to actually be something that helps this other human being. The other thing that, and this ties back to culture to, to a degree as well, is we got to be really mindful of how bias comes into play when we're giving feedback. And we have this subconscious or unconscious bias that could exist. And it could be gender, it could be race, it could be age, it could be so many factors at play. We got to be aware. We got to be aware that the reality is we may have our feedback guided by a bias that we had before. And so the challenge there is that if you're in a leadership role and you're put in positions where you're you're giving feedback and that's part of your job, if you're not kind of checking yourself and asking yourself, why am I giving the feedback? Why am I doing it in this way? Is there something that's feeding into this that shouldn't be? Then we're not doing ourselves a service and we're certainly not doing a service to the person we're giving that feedback to. Absolutely. I think the best example of this is when we tell women to tone it down. You're being too aggressive. You're being too direct. It's coming across too strong. But that's generally based in bias, right? Because when men communicate in that same way, it's viewed as being a leader, as being self-assured, as being confident. It's an example of how these biases can come into play. Another one that comes into my mind as well is like tone policing, right? Oh, like you just need to change the way that you're speaking to people. But where is that coming from? Why do people need to communicate in this soft, timid manner? Sometimes you have to be more direct with somebody. Sometimes you have to give the hard feedback. And by us telling people how they should communicate and what they should communicate and really asking them to shift the way that they approach things based off of our perception of how they are communicating, it can get into really, really sticky territory. So uh, yeah, we need to be really looking at that and considering, okay, hmm, is there anything that might be subconsciously driving the reason why I'm giving this feedback? And if I were to, to take into consideration all of the factors that you mentioned, would I still feel this way if I was in the other person's shoes or if I was, you know, not a part of this particular group that I'm, uh, that I identify with? 100% agree with you on that. And I think it's something that people don't think about that often because I can't tell you how many leaders have told women to scale it back, to not be so bossy 
when in reality, they're just being as strong as their counterparts are. Yeah. And it, it often comes down to simply hitting the pause button. Like hit the pause button. There's not a race to feedback. You don't need to get there so quickly. Yes, you. to your point, there's going to be benefit to giving feedback as soon after the thing as possible, but not so much that you have to blurt it out quickly and at the expense of the other person because you are, like you've so beautifully demonstrated, you're allowing a bias influence the feedback that you're giving. So the other thing that really is interesting about feedback specifically is you have the ability to ask the other person what kind of feedback they're looking for. So if you've created this culture of feedback, I do this all the time. I, I give feedback on people with their podcast, and but I'm only going to do it if they've asked for, for it, A, and B, I've asked them, what type of feedback are you looking for? Because they may want feedback on the content and I give feedback on the production value or the design or the name or the concept. So understanding what kind of feedback will be most valuable for that person is really important. And it really is easy. You just got to ask. You got to ask those questions. The other thing that I found very useful is guide the feedback with a forward-looking lens. Yes, you could look at the past and you could take the things that have happened and, and dissect them. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. But let's really think about how can this be applied in the future state. And the more you're able to tailor the feedback in a way that will help in the future, the more changes will be made that are going to actually help in the future. If you're constantly just looking backwards and that's the only part of the feedback that comes out, then you're really leaving it up to that other person to figure out the implementation strategy and how they're going to go about taking that feedback and applying that feedback, which for being real here, often it's going to get skewed. It's not going to be implemented in the way in which it could or should be if you're not taking the time to have a, a little bit more of a, of a progressive and forward-looking approach. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like when we're providing forward-facing feedback, like with that lens, we're helping to create a template for how people can navigate this differently in the future. So an example that comes to mind, if we go back to the communication, like, hey, I feel like you should reach out more to me proactively as your leadership when you're struggling, when you're having difficulties. That is somewhat forward-facing. But if we took it to the next level, we might say, you know, it would be really great if you could get on my calendar and schedule a meeting with me every week. So that way we can kind of touch base, right? You're giving something concrete for them to work with and you're providing them an action that they can now take forward. So now they can go on your Calendly link or go to your Google calendar, block off a particular time every single week, it provides now the opportunity for there to be a different outcome because now the action is different. We don't want to rake people over the coals. Like if we just focus constantly on, well, you should have done this, you should have done that. I don't know why you didn't choose to say this earlier, right? Like that is very defeating for the person on the receiving end. And it feels like, well, but I've, I'm actively working towards doing better with those things. So can we notice some of that? And can we further improve the action that I'm already taking? One of the things that I've had to learn along the way too as a content creator is that there are a lot of people out there that are going to give you all types of feedback. <laughs> like if you, I created a reel last week about a recent topic, like something that was really hot news, right? And there were people from all over the world, all different perspectives, some not so nice perspectives that were commenting on that reel. And haters going to hate, haters going to hate. <laughs> right? Expect it. 
but don't internalize it. Be critical of the source of the feedback that you're receiving. Because if you're going to take feedback from trolls, if you're going to take feedback from the people out there that are just looking to get under your skin, that is not a valid or reliable source of feedback. They have no context to be giving you that feedback, right? And I find that this is a big mistake people make as content creators, especially, is that they take feedback from people that have no relevance to their lives. So maybe go through and ask a couple of questions. Okay, is there something valid or relevant about what they're saying? If the answer is yes, okay, great. Move on to the next question, which is, is this a person whose feedback I really care about? right? Like, is this somebody who knows me, who has some stake and skin in the game, right? Like, do they have some context with which they're providing the feedback? If the answer is no, throw out the feedback. You don't have to take feedback from every single person who's giving it to you. Be discerning because otherwise you may grow in the wrong direction because you're just following whoever is telling you whatever. When I interviewed David Meltzer, one of the things that stood out from that interview was him talking about his parents giving him advice. And what he said is just because somebody loves you doesn't mean they give you good advice. And so to your point, there's going to be people throughout life, whether that be on social media with the trolls and the nonsensical comments that people make or in your life, people who are close to you may not actually have really good advice. They may have horrible advice. So know the source. You get to control how you respond. You get to control what you feedback you take and what feedback you don't take. I have a friend, speaking of social media, who I love this guy. Super passionate, very, very creative, does some amazing work. I actually asked him, hey, do you mind if I share some feedback? Because he wasn't soliciting, wasn't asking for it. But I also didn't feel good just volunteering it without asking him first. And so I, I gave him that feedback about something specifically related to social media. And, you know, he could choose to embrace it or he could choose not to. That's up to him. But as a good friend, I felt a desire to, to give him a little bit of creative feedback because I care about him and I wanted to. And so know the source, but also as a receiver, you can choose what you embrace and what you don't. Listen to everything. It doesn't hurt to listen. And then you get to choose what you're going to take action on and what you're not. Yeah. And I mean, some people are really stuck themselves. I find that the worst advice givers are the ones that like de they deflect from their own struggles. They're the ones that are telling everybody else how to live their lives. Right. And so it's like, oh, my life is in shambles, but let me tell you how to handle yours. It's like, well, you're not a valid or reliable source of feedback for me. So I'm definitely not going to listen. And also some people have a mentality where it's kind of like the crab mentality. Like you're progressing, you're moving forward in your life and they're stuck. And so they try to pull you back down into this like lower level with feedback that is not helpful for you. Oh, are you sure that you should open up a business? Like, I'm not sure that you have the expertise to do that. There's a crab pulling you down. Here you are trying to level your business up and they're, they're bringing to light all of the reasons why you should not. Take it with a grain of salt. Like you said, listen to it. But chances are they haven't done those things for themselves. Like you want to be able to take feedback from people that are in the positions that you desire to be in. Not everybody is there. So just be discerning. Right. I fully agree. You need to take some feedback with a grain of salt and also consider this. As the giver of feedback and as a receiver of feedback, your mood matters. 
If you're in a bad mood, it's going to be hard to receive feedback. Also, if you're in a bad mood, you might be giving negative feedback simply because you're in a bad mood. So again, check in with yourself. Ask yourself, what state am I currently in? If you've asked for feedback and you're in a bad mood, it's probably not the right time to be asking for feedback. If you're giving feedback and you're also not in a good mood, maybe you shouldn't be giving feedback at that moment. And so regulating when the feedback comes, when you're receiving feedback, will be an important part of the puzzle. Because as we've said, right, we want to make sure that we're embracing the feedback. We want to make sure that it's actually useful, which is probably part of the reason why going back to David Rock and the huge insight he had, which is like, hey, create a culture of asking for feedback. Part of that is you can decide when you want to seek that feedback out. And it could be partially dictated by the mood that you're in, the state that you're in, the environment, the setting, all the variables that go into, hey, am I a good position right now mentally to accept that feedback? I know for me, there's going to be times of the day, there's going to be periods that I'm not really excited about embracing feedback. And then there's other times where it's like, no, no, I really need, I'm craving feedback. I actually really want it. And because I'm the one receiving, I should be in control of when I get that feedback. That resonates with me so much because I'm not a morning person at all. In fact, I don't start my day until after 10.30 a.m. for a reason. Because when I used to schedule 8 a.m.s, 9 a.m.s, my mood was like down in the toilet, right? Like I just, I had to accept the fact that I'm a night owl. And that means that when I am giving or receiving feedback, I have to be conscious. Like I have to be aware of the fact that I am not operating at my best in the morning. If you catch me in the afternoon or the evening, I'm on fire. Like I'm able to just be on it and with it. But you adjust yourself. You adapt to your own rhythms. You adapt yourself to what you know about yourself internally and your own self-awareness. And I think that that is such an important piece of that. So, you know, as we're winding down here, as like we think about the idea of giving the feedback, but then what? What do we do from there? Like we've said somebody needs to improve something. How can we hold them accountable? Well, as I was reading the Harvard Business Review article on this, they talk about accountability not being about taking blame when something goes wrong. It's not about confessing something, but it's instead about delivering on a commitment. So when you give feedback, you want to ensure that there's a commitment and a mutually agreed upon understanding of what that strategic follow through is going to look like. So here are a few important C's to be looking out for. The first one is going to be clear expectations, clear expectations. You want to be absolutely crystal clear about what you are hoping the other person is going to do now. You're going to be clear about what the outcome is that you're looking for. How are you going to measure success and how can they now take steps to go about achieving that objective? The next C is clear capability. Do they have the skills and the resources to meet the expectations that you're setting with them? If not, what do you need to provide them so that they're well-equipped to make this happen? And if they don't have what's necessary, you know, what plan are you now as the leader going to create and facilitate so that it can either be delegated to somebody or that they can be trained and upskilled so that they're not being set up for failure? The third C is clear measurement. You want to be able to have a, a gauge, a way for people to know that they're on the right trajectory. Nothing is more frustrating for leaders than being surprised by failure. 
But the surprise comes from the fact that the person who's delivering is afraid to ask for help. So you've had this conversation, you've given them the feedback, but now they're floundering a little bit. So you want to make sure that there is an expectation in the conversation that maybe we'll check in weekly to gauge how we're doing. Maybe it's that the onus is on them to send you an email when they are having a hard time. And if targets are starting to slip, if you start to notice that they're falling behind, for you as the leader to jump in and start immediately addressing it. The last thing that people need is to be putting forth all of this effort, putting forth a lot of work, and it's not actually moving the needle forward. So brainstorm with them, figure out what the fix is going to be, redesign things if need be to get them back on track. And then lastly, the last C is going to be determining what those consequences are going to be. When somebody falls short of meeting the expectations and the goals that you've put forth, then you have to be very clear on the front end what the consequences are going to be. Is it that you now have a follow-up conversation that's a little bit more serious with them? Is it that they get put on a performance improvement plan because you've now had multiple conversations with them? They talk about having these three choices of repeat, reward, or release. You can either repeat the steps that I just mentioned a few moments ago to see if there's a lack of clarity in the system itself. So your first conclusion to jump to is not, oh, they're not listening to me. Instead, let me reflect on how the system is working or not working in their favor. If the person has succeeded, reward them appropriately through acknowledgement or a promotion in a timely manner. Remembering, once again, that positive reinforcement, you want to come very shortly after the action. And then if they've proven that they're still not being held accountable, that they're still not following through as a result of the system, then it may just simply be that they're not a good fit. And this is the hardest conversation to have, right, is the recognition that you just may not be cut out for the role. And so you may need to switch their role or you may need to fire them. Uh, But nonetheless, giving that feedback to them along the way is going to be critical for them not being shocked and surprised when at the end of the day, they get switched to another team or they get let go. Drop the mic. I love this topic. I feel like we could talk about it for literally days. When we think about feedback and we think about the role it has in our lives, it's monumental that we understand how to use it, how to embrace it when we're receiving it, how to effectively give it. We talked about so many valuable lessons and insights from a variety of sources. When it's all said and done, like life's short, we want to get the most out of it. And so the time we have here is finite. In order to make every minute count, we have to embrace good feedback. When I say good feedback, it's healthy feedback that's going to make us better. And it might be in that quote unquote negative. I look at it as constructive or it might be positive. Positive feedback helps with motivation. It helps with self-efficacy and and our belief that we can do something. So we have to have that positive feedback. We also need to have the feedback that's going to get into the weeds a little bit and and help us understand what are those specific areas that maybe 10 people wouldn't tell us, but that one person will tell us. And we, we need those people in our lives too. And so thank you so much for being with us on this journey and relearning about this fascinating topic of feedback. If you enjoyed the insights and perspectives you've gained from ReLearned, please consider following the show on your favorite podcast platform. We're grateful for your support, and we look forward to being a part of your transformational journey.